need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRigger.com and joining me on the other line, the co-host of an English language podcast about French language TV, it's Andy Greenwald! Ah, bonjour, mon ami! (laughs) What's up, man? What a special episode of The Watch we have today. Because Andy and I are going to be... We're going international. It's the International House of Television. We're going to be talking about two French language shows that you can watch on Netflix. Netflix? That's how you say it in French. Uh, I've been having a lot of flax seeds, actually, with my my, uh, green shakes that I make myself. Um, What's wrong with flax seeds? (laughs) Get to the break so I can dunk on you more. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to talk about Lupin. Lupin? Lupin. Lupin. And call my agent. But we have a bunch of news we want to get to in the beginning with uh, Chris Evans and Don DeLillo, two of our main dudes. <laughs> so we'll be talking about both of those guys. It's The Watch. One second. We'll be this, right back. This is, as the French would say, niche. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hulu. Hey there. You know that Hulu has movies, right? Well, if you didn't, we're here to tell you Hulu has movies. Hulu has acclaimed movies like All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Meskel and Andrew Scott, Suncoast, starring Woody Harrelson and Laura Linney, and Cat Person with Amelia Jones and Nicholas Braun. So head over to Hulu if you like movies, because you guessed it, Hulu has movies. Fussing with plastic cards should be a thing of the past. Instead, pay the Apple way. Apple Pay is easy, secure, and built into iPhone. All you have to do is set it up. Just add a card in the wallet app, and you're good to go. All right, we're back, man. What's going on? Uh, we have established that Kai McMullen is not in QAnon, so it's a great Thursday already. <laughs> it was dicey for a second there. She took a second to respond. Um, Andy, I hope you're having a lovely week, as best as it possibly could be. Oh, oh, yeah. And I know uh, you've, had a, you've had a busy one because you're doing a lot of podcasts, Chris. We're doing this yeah. podcast. We had the rewatchables up. I hope you The Royal Tenenbaums, that's right. And, I, and we also have a rewatchables I'm on a couple coming up that are, that are pretty fun. So I feel it's weird about not saying what they are, but they're, they're coming. But you also had some, uh, a lot of basketball stuff going on. Yeah, pretty pregnant afternoon you for your boy yesterday. I thought I was going to be doing some emergency podcasting about the Philadelphia 76ers, but it turned out James Harden was traded to the Nets. So uh, bless up to all my Brooklyn guys. Uh, it's just great when a team with like a such a serious devoted fan base gets a, gets a W like that. I, this is a strange development for you is where you're like real prickly about Brooklyn's basketball fan base. Like, who cares? <laughs> well, I, I, I don't... I, I, it's just weird to me. I mean, I, I love Brooklyn. I lived there for 17 years. Yeah. Hate the arena, but love the area. You know what do, I mean? Do you hate the arena because of what it did to the area? Well, yeah, because shout out Freddy's Bar and all the nice places that got displaced. But also, there was that time a couple of years ago, right when it opened, when you and I went to a game with our friends Sean Fennessy and Zach Barron. And mm-hmm. like the seat, it's not just that they were in the nosebleeds, they were in like the Matterhorn. And that like, place sucks. Yeah. It's the, like the thing about it, for people who don't know, is that it's like, it's not, they, they built an arena to fit a standard number of fans, but they built built it, I believe, more vertically than they did uh, horizontally. Yeah. It's like an Argentinian so, soccer stadium, but not like in I, a cool way. No, I felt <laughs> very, very close to do a vertiginous death as I climbed higher and higher. But on the plus side, you know, the public announcement guy played a lot of biggies. So 
it's fine. I'm very happy. I think James Harden will love being near Bergen Bagels. I think that uh, carving <laughs> yeah, up yeah, he will. is important before every every game. But we, uh, we 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 should get to our Rolodex of news, right? Before we put on our berets. Yeah, and twirl our so, mustaches and do the French stuff we really yeah, want Yeah, I just to wanted to talk about a couple of uh, pop culture news items before we got to sure. our shows that we wanted to discuss today. So today we're talking about Lupin and Call My Agent, two French shows on Netflix. We'll get to that I in the second you. half. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you did. You, you nailed it. It's, it's going to be a fun conversation. First, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Chris Evans returning to the Marvel Cinematic Universe in some capacity as Captain America after mm. having benefiting from one of the great send-offs to a superhero character that we, we've gotten. You know, I'd say it's up there with, I guess, Hugh Jackman's exit as Logan, you know, which I'm sure mm. will be desecrated at some point in the near or distant future. But it's very rare that these franchise characters get to go out on the right note, you know? Um, and I thought that regardless of what you thought of Endgame, the Captain America plotline was really handled well and that his moment at the end as an old man getting to kind of like fix the one, the one, his broken heart, basically. He got to have like, a life. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was a great moment. And now today on Deadline and, and across, the, across the internet, it was announced that it's, it sounds like Evans is going to be coming back as Cap in some capacity, not in a Captain America movie, but appearing in another film. So the suggestion in the Deadline piece is that this will be like the way Robert Downey Jr. brought Iron Man into Captain America Civil War and the uh, Spider-Man, what was that, Far From Home, the first one? Uh, Homecoming. Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming, where he was essentially like a ringer off the bench. You know what I mean? And he came in and gave him a couple couple innings, brought a lot of eyeballs to the project, but essentially was like, he was there for, for shits and giggles. You know, it wasn't like, it had a huge impact. Quick sidebar. Mm-hmm. First, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, Homecoming. Second, Far From Home. He's in Europe. Third one, which is all multiverse, right? With like 100 Spider-Men. Do we know the name of it? Is it So Many Homes? Is it Vacation Homes? <laughs> is it Spider-Man, House Hunters, Interdimensional? Like, has this been named yet? So you're assuming that this he's going to have something to do with the Spider-Man movie? No, no, I was just sidebarring. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I have... Um, I'd like to say something about this Chris Evans news. Sure. Before I do, do you remember a sketch comedy program from the 90s called The State? I do, of course. It was yeah. on MTV. I mean, I remember Loved The State, it. yeah. Made a I, lot I'm gonna of I'm going to dip sketches. my balls in it. Yeah. Classic, classic catchphrase. Yeah. Now, all those people went on to many other projects. Michael Showalter, Michael Ian Black, Ken Marino, uh, Thomas Lennon. Thrilled to see so many of them at uh, uh, elementary school drop-off back when we had school. Oh, yeah? Because that's, that's where people end up here in Los Angeles. But one of the sketches I think about all the time was a split screen of a highbrow and a lowbrow joke, right? And I believe the highbrow was like someone in an English manor sipping tea, and the lowbrow was Ken Marino in a barn sitting on a whoopee cushion. <laughs> Uh-huh. Which version of my Chris Evans take would you like to hear first? The English Manor or the Whoopee Cushion? Andy, get you a pod that can do both. Okay. The English Manor take is what a shame because not only did he have, as you said, a gentleman's exit. Yeah. A wonderful exit that came to an end and one of those rare things where you hear that the star kind of is done with it and then gets the send off. But also, it did 
create an interesting road going forward for the Marvel Cinematic Universe that would help redefine what it would mean to be the exemplar of American heroism. It does not have to be an Aryan time traveling uh, or time surviving white man, right? Like it could be anyone. Maybe Falcon sure. gets the. So that was kind of interesting. Who else could be a captain? A captain? A captain's America. That's kind of interesting, and it's a shame if that's not where uh, the storyline is going. Okay. Whoopi Cushion is, who cares, man? It's fun. He's great. <laughs> Plays the part well, has a good time. I truly don't understand why anyone would ever say, from a professional standpoint, that they are, quote unquote, done with Marvel. Who would say that? Who, somebody it, said that? I, no. I'm oh, saying why, nor, nor why should an they. actor. I thought you were talking about some guy on Twitter was like, I am done with these movies if they bring no. back Captain America. I'm saying, I'm sure, first of all, I'm sure someone has. But what I mean is, that show we talked about last week that we both really like that I'm still watching and hope my wife and I are still watching the pretended to city, the Fran Lebowitz show. And like yeah. every episode she walks to the national arts club and they have a, has a nice iced coffee with pool tables and a leather bound bar. It's like, that's what being in a Marvel movie is like every so often you drop by a cool club, hang out with your friends and get a million dollar check for it. So I don't understand why anyone would not. Here, be part here's of it. the argument against that is that if Fran Lebowitz went to the national arts club, mm. finished her, her drip, and was just like, that's the last coffee I'm ever having at the National Arts Club. Yeah. I think we all can agree that I did a great job being a patron at this place. <laughs> I've become something of an institution. I'm iconic. But I'm, I, I, I said one last great joke, one great quip, and I'm fucking out. I'm Fran. Deuces. Mm -hmm. And then she came back three weeks later and was like, it's me. It's, it's your buddy Fran. I'm back. For, I think people for, would be like, okay, like that's that's we're happy to have you. We're glad to see you, Fran Leibowitz. But I think that ultimately, like you, you went out on a high note. For you could only worth, go down from here. It surprise would surprise no listeners to this podcast to know that if you were to incept the concept of Captain America from my mind, it would be Fran Leibowitz probably. So I right. think this is a really great uh, example. I I hear the counterpoint, but the other thing that is worth saying is that as Marvel is expanding its storytelling reach and also uh, in terms of TV and movies, but also the types of stories it's telling, which is to say that they're telling stories at different moments in time and also the multiverse. Right. I think that they are what they are setting up, us up for here is a way to have cake and eat it. Uh, American flag shape and design cake, I imagine. Um, which is to say, maybe in like the next Avengers movie, whatever that is or looks like, old Steve Rogers is around to give advice. So break out the latex. That is, but it also means that sucks. That if that's as <laughs> Ant-Man or Moon Knight or whatever the fuck yeah. is zipping through the different possibilities of the world, they might encounter prime time cap and then well, check, wouldn't right? the logical destination for his character be the Falcon and winter soldier show. That would suck. Not to say that the show's going to be bad. Hey, let me, we might let really me be clear. like it. Let me be clear. If they put him in his old man latex back in this fucking cinematic universe, yeah. he better be standing with Johnny Knoxville and Spike Jones doing old man stunts from Jackass. He better that. be like wandering that. around at a gas station, like accidentally pouring gas on his car. I don't care what it is, but like... I can't. I, I don't want any more dressing up like an old man from him. There is precedent. I know you keep me around because I 
occasionally have read comic books and have a lapsed subscription to Marvel Unlimited. There is precedent for Steve Rogers being old AF. Yeah, and right. then I saw wearing, Concepcion tweeted out a picture, uh, like a panel yeah. from a comic book. So what's that? What's that story? Well, that was a story where that this happened. I don't know if it didn't happen the way it happens in Endgame, but he ends up being the age that he should be, mm-hmm. but is called back into service for his tactical mind and his limitless supply of Ben Gay products, I suppose. Because right. uh, the United States advise. Senate shows us that old men are incredibly tactically acute. Uh, I think <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe should mimic our highest offices and be a gerontocracy. I don't see why people get aged out of parts anymore. And Hugh Jackman, by the way, he should he should already. run for Diane Feinstein's seat. <laughs> Steve Rogers, yeah. Hugh, Hugh Jackman, by the way, has said that he can't do Wolverine anymore because, like, his bone density could not handle putting on that the, weight, the weight, or, or the weight training. Like, he can physically no longer, uh, no longer do it. Yeah. Right? Like, I watched this. <laughs> There's a great, great cook, Peter Serpico, used to work with Dave Chang at Momofuku. He has a restaurant in Philadelphia called Serpico that he's like, people should check it out if they're there. He, he's turned it into like a kind of Korean takeout thing called Pete's Place. Support him. Point being on Instagram, he showed how he's stretching family meals at home with like a series of videos he posted about taking buying some oxtails that were more expensive than he thought and then using them to make broth and this other Korean dish. And by the end of it, he showed that he had successfully extracted all the vitamins and et cetera out of the bones because he held an oxtail bone in his hand and crushed it like plaster of Paris. My God. And that is what Hugh Jackman's spine probably looks like right now. (laughs) After doing that fucking like keto paleo yo-yoing. The thing is though, it's not like Hugh Jackman ordinarily looks like Martin Starr though. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like I understand he has to pack some muscle on, but that's not it's not exactly like he's the dude in the back of the comic book who's like tired of know. getting sand kicked in your face. How do you know? Use these resistance bands. One thing that we learn as we get older, listeners and Kaya, is that the body, there's a level that the body wants to be, right? Uh-huh. And so we're either giving into it, making it worse, or working to make it make it better. And so we oh. don't know if Hugh Jackman's like a certain, like, there was a moment when he was just like, Broadway star Hugh Jackman. And then Laura Donner calls and was like, can you be in Toronto in 12 hours? And how do you feel about claws in your hand? And he was like, great, mate. And then for the rest, the, since then, those the last 20 years, snick, snick. he's just been getting yoked <laughs> and not yoked, right? Like, we don't know. Yeah, yeah. So pour a little out. And so all this is to say, maybe Chris Evans is secretly an old. Maybe he wants to be an old guy. Yeah. He's tired of being super foxy in cable knit sweaters in overrated movies. Right? Maybe yeah. this is the right path for him. But in Was general, that just a knives out drive by you just pulled? I don't remember. I don't remember. My point being, I look I look forward. Now is the time for unity. Okay. okay. What what may have happened in the past, that's not how we move forward as a country or as a podcast. One thing my that point w- being oh, okay. if these are, Marvel Cinematic going. Universe is Marvel <laughs> Comics. Yeah. It's Marvel Comics. So gotcha. shout no out one, to Pharrell. Yeah. No one ever really dies. I, that's, the that's biggest, one of the tenets of this podcast is that just what, don't get too unattached to anyone. But the, <laughs> I love getting unattached, by the way. This has been hard for me. I, I think that the biggest change, I'm just going to throw this out there. It's a new year, so we can, take new, we can have new, new takes. The biggest contribution to the entertainment order 
that Marvel has done is the idea that people just hang out. You don't have to be the star. It doesn't have to be all about you. You can just hang out. Mark Ruffalo is going to be in the She-Hulk legal comedy show. Sure, why not? As long as the checks are good, they like going to Atlanta. So it, it was silly to think that it would last longer than this. The one to watch is Downey, who definitely shouldn't come back. But Downey's doing like for your consideration panels with the Russos and Tom Holland being like, can we do a like maybe Pictionary on Zoom? Like he clearly misses them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that I, I, I really want Downey to, to just just try a little. Like, just do something cool. Like, please. <laughs> so you, as people on this podcast and people at Red Grantland know, like you once had an audience with the great man. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to make it hanger. sound like it was, uh, it wasn't Frost Nixon. Like, it was, it was at a junket, you know, basement but of a hotel in Santa Monica. <laughs> do you think that you, if you had that window again, do you think you could look him in the eye and be like... Well, I'll be completely honest. I think I was talking to him for Iron Man 3. 3? Iron Man 3, oh. Recently named by you as one of the best films of the decade. That was not true. I was in my movie draft in the yeah. in the big picture, and I I have admitted that that was perhaps a little bit <laughs> aggressive on my part. Some people but people like to watch the world burn. I don't even think that he he hasn't made anything aside from uh, Doctor Doolittle outside of the MCU since then. I don't think. Well, but after Doctor Doolittle, why why right try exactly more? I mean, you nailed um, it. I want to move through a couple other things here. Um, one is just that I saw that Insecure is ending after its fifth and final, this fifth season will be its final one. Just want to say, very big fan of that show. And I'll be interested to see. They said in the release, Issa was kind of like, Issa Rae was saying that she was like, I always wanted to end it after five. So, I mean, I know you would normally say that. People people tend to say this was exactly that's, the plan. That's what I said about this podcast. Right, exactly. <laughs> Here we are. Um, but I, I think... The where that show is, I don't, did you watch the last season at all? Did you watch season four at all? I haven't watched the last season. Everyone loved it. I, I believe I'm caught up to that season and I don't know why I never, thanks for the reminder. My feeling about that, I really enjoyed it. I think that this makes sense because you could theoretically like add three or four more episodes onto that last season and I could see a very natural endpoint for this story which would essentially be, without any spoilers, like Issa leaving Los Angeles, perhaps, um, or just maybe having her own life there. But I think that a lot of the sort of central tensions of the show have started to clean themselves, like unwind a little bit. So uh, I'm excited for that. I hope it comes back this year. Really, with all the announcements of all these movies that are moving into late 2021, I kind of started mm -hmm. starting to wonder a little bit about some of the shows that still needed to do some production, um, whether they're going to arrive in a timely fashion. The last thing I wanted to talk about with you before we get into our uh, French TV bonanza or buffet, as they say, is the announcement that Noah Baumbach's next movie is going to be an adaptation of Don DeLillo's White Noise. Now, I feel like this is, when this movie drops, I think we could make this the last watch. <laughs> I know. It basically is where we've been going. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that it it combines so many of our interests and also like once it finally arrives, so like 2020, mid 22, whatever. I, I hate to put an endpoint on our show, you know, like, yeah, well, that would know. be our 10 year anniversary. I don't know if we're getting off the island, but the really interesting thing is people want to take bets now who's going out like Tony Stark and who's going out like Steve Rogers. Oh, I'm definitely Steve Rogers. I'm going to be podcasting from fucking <laughs> West Palm Beach, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to be so like, I'm going to. I'm going to save the world and then just peace yeah. out on the battlefield. I'll be wondering if the Sixers it. are trading for LeBron's son. Um, no, I just want, I just, look, 
before the the months of McMurtry, there were the days of Delillo for me. I went back Beautiful. and reread a bunch of Don Delillo books. Um, I think that Americana, the names, Underworld, and Libra are still my favorites. I know that that White Noise is a, is is one of his most decorated books. It's cool to see Bombac take another swing at the uh, prestige literary adaptation mm-hmm. attempt. He tried to do that with the corrections and it. Uh, I think he shot a pilot, but it never went to series at HBO. This will star Adam Driver and Greta Gerwig as as uh, Jack and Babette, you know, living on campus in, a, in an unnamed college town. And he is a professor of Hitler studies. And uh, there is a... Aren't a we kind, all these days, though, really? Yeah, an airborne toxic event happens in, in, this, in this book. And, and it sort of deals with paranoia and fear of death and infatuation with death and the apocalypse and also the academy are you excited yeah i mean i, I was right around the time this news broke i i think i was seeing people correctly dunking on certain fanboy and fangirl online personalities who are the people that get the first looks at things because they know what those responses are going to be Right. And they're the ones who are like, you saw the tweet probably in December. And they're like, Wonder Woman 1984 hits it out of the park. It left yeah. me weeping at the end with a perfect blend. And now they're like, the, the movie Vision we, we need right now. Yeah. WandaVision is, you know, another success for Marvel, but also like David Lynch. It's like, all right, everybody sit down. My point being, if studios uh, and distributors and filmmakers know who to seed projects to to get the reaction, then I think the group text that has you, me, and Sean Fennessy on it will be where all white noise information should be <laughs> debuted. Yeah. Uh, we definitely will be like the movie we need right now. Sean, Sean tweeted that he's had numerous dream castings <laughs> for the professor of Hitler studies for years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I sometimes, you know, speaking of highbrow, lowbrow, sometimes we get on this podcast and we're talking like, can Star Wars saga move on from the Skywalkers? But it's really like Ted Cruz wearing a North Face jacket, you know, and standing on a truck. Because people know the truth about your boy over here. Did I write an AP English final essay about Don DeLillo's Americana? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. So I love this. This is thrilling and exciting. But particularly, I think it's exciting because it's Bombach, because... You know, we did the Kicking and Screaming rewatchables a couple weeks ago. Right. And yeah. kind of doing that didn't just remind me how much I love that movie because I've always loved that movie. But low-key, one of our best and most consistently interesting filmmakers, never as flashy or splashy as, you know, like the Andersons, as Wes or PT in terms of like contemporaries. And in many ways, people like him, whose project is always kind of like, writing about the same kind of people in similar situations, but finding new nuance in it as I get older and do it again. That is, I mean, I don't want to nod to what we're going to do après the break, but like, <laughs> that's kind of the French filmmaker model. Like most people do that on TV now. They don't do it in cinema. But right. after, it, it kind of seems like he's used up what he's got going on emotionally over the last few years in these last few movies. Not to You think he's, he's fully interrogated marriage and divorce now? It seems like it's been a point of interest to him. And maybe now he needs a break from that, which is healthy and good. The last time he took a break from his own psychotherapy and when he met Greta Gerwig, he made two of his, I think, best movies, Francis Ha and Mistress America. So 
I like this idea. Sure. Working with Greta Gerwig again. I like the idea just in terms of it being his next movie, but we do love this stuff. Do you think that Noah Baumbach is making a period piece or do you think he's updating White Noise for our contemporary moment? Great question. What would no you do? Idea. What would you do? Well, thank you. Thank Andy's you. in the First director's all, chair. Scott Rudden go, turns to you and says, do you want me to order the fleet of 85 Volvos? Or... You know, are, we, are we updating it for our contemporary moment? I've never met Scott Rudin personally. We, we, I've, we, we have a fan and one of his uh, most trusted colleagues and producers, Eli Bush, who listens mm -hmm. to the show. Maybe he can give us some intel on this. Um, he's always struck me as the kind of person who tells you if the Volvos are coming. I don't think you ask him. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. Second, I want to know before I answer, am I on location? Because if so, I'll keep on this North Face jacket. If not, I'll take it off and I have a tuxedo on underneath. You tell me. I think that you got to you got to you got to shoot this in in a, a leafy college town, right? Yes, I I I just mean in terms of like we're going to Poughkeepsie, I, baby, we're, or we're going to or Providence or someplace. You know, we got to find maybe Western Mass. I don't know. Oh, I'd I'd like to go anywhere. That all sounds wonderful. I I think that it's very hard to imagine updating it, but I also haven't read this. You've read this book recently, you know. The, 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 these Delillo books for me, in their mix of like. They're so cerebral and a little bit chilly and so brilliant and yet somehow masculine and spare. Like they are the epitome for me of books you read between the ages of 18 and 25 and then you you feel very smart about them, which yeah. they're also great, but I don't know how they age. You, you could speak more to that and whether they are rich with ideas to be mined as opposed to something to be kind of put on screen and celebrated. Right. Okay. I, I If I had to guess, I think it'll be a period piece. Um I think that, that you can do that and you can be like, it has a lot to say about our, our present as well. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, Andy and I will talk about Lupin and call my agent. Lupin. Lupin. Are you saying that I'm saying it wrong or are you just saying that? It's actually Scott Rudin. It's not Scott Rudin. <laughs> we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Hulu. Hey there. You know that Hulu has movies, right? Well, if you didn't, we're here to tell you Hulu has movies. Hulu has acclaimed movies like All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Meskel and Andrew Scott, Suncoast, starring Woody Harrelson and Laura Linney, and Cat Person with Amelia Jones and Nicholas Braun. So head over to Hulu if you like movies, because you guessed it, Hulu has movies. This episode of The Watch is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If saving money was on your 2024 resolution list, I have a 100% guaranteed way to make sure you follow through. Ready? Just switch to Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. 
As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Okay, we're back. Andy, we're going to talk about two shows on Netflix. Ah, bon. One, you have been name-dropping for quite a long time and became something of my nemesis because Mm -hmm. I felt like while I was trying to find the most urgent and and important television for us to talk about, you were like, I'm watching this French show called Call My Agent, Kiss My Ass. And I so I think I had like a Baisement little bit of... cool, I believe it's right, said in French. Built up resentment towards it. Uh-huh. But in the... in Because Lupin came out this week and it immediately went into the top, I think two or three, it might even be top, but it was definitely top two the other day when I checked on Netflix's top 10. I was like, well, you know what? Why not? Let's let's check out Call My Agent as well. And I and I'm fucking smitten. I'm smitten with both shows. I'm really really loving them. I I think there's something that connects the two of them. I feel like we should probably should we talk about Lupin's at first? Yes, there's a, okay. we should. And there's only one word to describe this turn of events, and that word is formidable. Yes, formidable. Yeah. yeah, I'm so uh, I'm happy that these shows are now your ami, if you will, no longer your your, Did, your nemesis. I, I thought you took Spanish in school. I did, but I took uh, I did take one semester of French that I'm really almost I've I've almost used it all up already in this podcast. I, I mean, you're sp- I took like three years of French, and you you're already kicking my ass in it. Well, also, I've been watching these shows for months. Sure. I've only been watching French films on Criterion, so I'm you know I'm I'm basically fluent. You know what I mean? And you know, I I watch a lot of shows about restaurants in Montreal, so I know French Canadian is a little Canadian French is different. Anyway. I wish I could show people Chris's face right now. The <laughs> Okay, so the thing about Lupin, here's the broad strokes. Uh, international production, obviously, French show. Netflix debuted it all around the world. And I think probably surprised even people at Netflix how immediately it took off in every country, which is great. First of all, that's exciting. And I think that's good news, obviously, for their business model, but good news for fans of interesting international productions. The... Backstory here is also kind of interesting. For people who know, I was not really among them. Arsene Lupin is a fictional French character, almost like a Sherlock Holmes-ish character, right? From uh, 19th century novels about a gentleman burglar who is in society but mysterious and helps people and just kind of an iconic piece of, dare I say it, IP. Yep. And what's thrilling about this is it shows a way to, to do this. And by this, I mean... The thing that everyone wants to do. Take something in the public domain that people already know and put a modern spin on it. And the show does this so effortlessly and with so much charm and style that it feels like a blueprint 
for a lot of things going forward, which I know is something we agree on. So just to, again, for people who haven't checked it out yet, no spoilers, but in the world of the show set in modern day Paris, the fictional character of Lupin is well known and as known as it is in France today. Our character, our main character, Hassan Diop, played by Omar Sy, mm -hmm. wonderful actor. Who you may have seen in Bradley Cooper's Burnt, I believe. Yes, yes. And uh, he, no, he was in Untouchables, which was a huge hit um, a while back. He's, He's been around movie, for about 20 minutes. He, is, he was in Jurassic World. So yeah, he, you, you will recognize him, but this is his star turn. It is. And he plays uh, this guy who is a little bit mysterious when we first meet him, so we won't step on it. But it's suffice to say that he is deeply, deeply inspired by and influenced by the character of Lupin and is mm -hmm. basically behaving and performing similar acts in the service of his own tortured, uh, not too tortured, that word shouldn't be anywhere near the show, uh, fraught backstory. Yeah. Right. So it is uh, Louis Leterrier who, Louis, excuse me, excuse moi. Uh, who did the with the transporter films, right? And one of the Hulk movies directed the pilot. It is extremely glossy, beautiful vision of contemporary Paris. Um, very slick, very fun. A lot of heist twists and turns, and it's totally winning. Yeah, anchored by a wonderful, charming lead performance that I can't get enough of, and yeah. just uh, effervescent in a way that I think you and I both wish more programs were. Uh, when we talk about star making performances, I think that there are a couple of different kinds. Sometimes you just see somebody on screen and you immediately, it could be somebody like, you know, like the first time you notice Lucas Hedges and you're just like, this guy just can act his ass off. This is really amazing. Like I, I'm, I notice him. Then there are people who you may have seen in the background of other stuff or noticed a couple of times, but hadn't really thought about. And then they get a role like Omar Sy did with Lupin and it takes advantage of every single thing he can do well. He can move. He can smile. He can be really tender and thoughtful. And when he looks at his ex-wife or looks at his son or thinks about his father, you really believe it. And he can wear a suit and he can wear an Uber Eats delivery uniform and he can be a chameleon, which is what this character needs to be. He can be a chameleon and he can also stand out, which is just this amazing quality. And... I know that this is going to sound weird, but it's like, you know, when you see somebody like The Rock, you know what I mean? And you're just like, well, I, I don't really like care about wrestling, but this guy is just definitely like a star, you know, or mm -hmm. Jamie Foxx. And you're just like, I am, this guy has a magnetism, you know, that is just undeniable. I feel that way about this, about Omar Sy and his performance here. The thing I wanted to talk to you about was watching the show, which by no means is like, it's definitely engaging, but I would not call it like overly challenging in any ways, or it's mm -hmm. definitely not a hard watch. It's like really, really, really fun. It's got a lot of humor. I'm just like, what what happened to American TV? Like Frank Sabatka, I'm like, we used to make shit here. You know, like, why can't we, why don't we see stuff like this, especially like on network television? Because there's not a lot, I think there might be some profanity in this, but if they if there is, it doesn't need to be in the show the violence is not bloody. Like, there's no reason why a show like this couldn't be on ABC or CBS. And I think that to some extent, there's some DNA in some of the stuff that like Robert Michelle King make, like Evil or, or The Good Wife in this show, Lupin. But when I watch this, I'm just like, have we really like forgotten how to make meat and potatoes TV to the extent that like we're getting our fucking asses handed to us by the French now? Like, I don't mean that in a, 
jingoistic way. I just mean like, it's just kind of amazing. I totally agree with you. I, I, I feel like so many of the wrong lessons were taken from the last 10, now almost 20 years of television, and they're still filtering down in very confusing ways. And one of the biggest ones was, and I used to write about this a bunch at Grantland, was that the success of dark, heavy, often expensive, but emotionally challenging serialized dramas on cable led the broadcast networks to be like, well, we'll do all that too, but we'll just take the swear words out, you know, and you end up with these nothing burgers of shows, you know, I not even need to list them because almost all of them have been canceled by now, right? And instead, you kind of end up, so you end up with these like big swings that are often misses, and then the steady drumbeat of procedurals, the Chicago shows, your Grey's Anatomies, which are good. They do what they are meant to do, and they do it well and with style and with economy, and people like them and they run forever. But there's this middle space that doesn't make sense uh, to be unattended to. And the lesson of Lupin, I think, for me is if you have higher budgets and, and viewers' expectations have risen along with those budgets uh, for quality, it doesn't have to be tortured darkness or you don't have to show people things they've never seen before. Use your budget and your their higher expectations more intelligently. Cast charming people in roles that they haven't gotten before and Bust, you know, take all the, if I'm looking at like the production board in the studio and some of them say snare and hi-hat, but other ones say like pleasure centers, just push them all the way up. Yeah. People love heist movies, you know? And what's delightful about the show is I was thrilled and happy watching it. My wife was thrilled and happy watching it. At lunch yesterday after Zoom school, my older daughter asked about what I'd been watching because it was on Netflix when they turned on TV to watch a cartoon in the morning. I told her the story of it and she was enchanted. Yeah. She wants to watch it because this how exciting he's a the guy's a father and he's a thief and he did all these it, you know this is bedrock storytelling stuff and it's and you know what and you know what it reminded me of in a way one of your favorites from the past decade you remember House MD sure I do yeah the thing about House and obviously that's been imitated many times and imitated poorly but the thing about House is that it was just Sherlock Holmes in a hospital built mm -hmm. on a star making performance it mm -hmm. was not a procedural in the same way Grey's Anatomy was because it wasn't really, although it became more of one, a soap opera about these people. It was just someone, you know, stunting basically and being the smartest person in the room. And that can be very, very compelling and appealing. And Lupin, you know, it, it, does it have a few too many flashbacks for my taste? Is it too much wedded to maybe his backstory and every so far in the early going, all the things he does are connected to his own sense of self and his father, his late father's guilt. And that's all kind of prestige TV stuff. But at the heart of it, it's just a goof, man. He, he breaks into jail and he breaks out again and you love watching it. Right. No, I, I think it's also crucial for me. And we've talked about this a little bit about, um, in our conversation with Sam Esmail, and we were talking about Zero 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 and some of the shows from overseas that we had loved this year, and basically getting to vicariously travel in a time when that's that's disallowed. To see this show, and I guess this is as good a segue as any to get to call my agent, and to see a thriving Paris, and to be able to go somewhere else, mm -hmm. and obviously. I'm sure they shoot some stuff on stages and I'm sure that there's like some stand-ins for different parts of Paris or whatever, but it feels uh, like they don't necessarily have the same like uh, hangups about, about going to the place that they're shooting, you know, like when you like, and, yes. I, and I think in, in American television a lot, like you have a lot of like 
it's supposed to be this, but it's Louisiana. And it's supposed to be this, but it's Atlanta. Or it's supposed to be this, and it's Alberta or whatever. It just feels like Paris. It just looks like Paris. People seem to be acting like they're in Paris. The people who are in the background seem to be Parisians. And it gives it a kind of sense of place and feel that I don't know if you always get with American TV these days. Yeah, and I think pivoting to to Call My Agent, which if people have heard me say before, another just delightful, fun watch. It's about a, a talent agency in Paris and the various people who work there. And each episode is blessed with the cameo participation of someone who is impossibly famous in France and maybe 87% of them are completely unknown to most Americans, which makes it even more fun. The guest star of the, so Call My Agent is about a a film agency in Paris called uh, SKA, right? Uh, ASK. ASK. Agence, uh, what's his name? Ask. Samuel Kerr, right? And the first episode that I watched, the the first episode of the first season is about a woman named Cecile de France. And I was like, that's a little on the nose. You know, if you're going to come up with a, a big actress from France, you're going to call her Cecile de France. <laughs> and she's a real person. And I, I did not know that. Um, Wait till you get to the episode where they're all raving about Joey Star. <laughs> Joey Star is like, I guess, like the LL Cool J of France and that he was a rapper and now he's an actor. Yeah. And it's all playing on his bad boy reputation, which is non-existent, of course, to us. But... I'll say, Chris, and I know you're very passionately invested in my uh, engagement with the Criterion Channel and classic French films. One of the funny things is we watch on Criterion this like great Tavernier film, uh, A Week's Vacation, that I mentioned the other week, starring like this effervescently beautiful young Natalie Natalie Bay, and yeah. then she's in season one I with just her daughter her. I with just Johnny Halliday. Yeah, like this show is actually getting legends. I mean, Juliette Binoche, Monica Bellucci, but also like these these older titans of the French New Wave all show up to make fun of themselves. But I think the point you're making, I want to circle back. It's really, it's a fun romp and it's there for you. The fourth season is premiering in a week. And yeah, and so there, it's, it, it, it's worth Lupin it. Lupin is five episodes and then there will be another five episodes uh, imminently. Call My Agent is 24 episodes in total. And it's yeah. the first three seasons are up on Netflix. The last season is coming and it's each six episodes per season. And I, I, I do want to just agree with what you're saying about this specificity of place. If Call My Agent, which is called 10% or 10% in French, if that existed in America, it would be entourage. It would yeah. be terrible. Well, and they've tried, I mean, they've, it could be. Yeah. It, it is so deeply French in the ways that make it good, just in terms of like who these people are, how they relate to each other, when they stop for a quick coffee um, it's, it's just a different city and a different culture that makes it charming. And I wonder if it feels like banal or whatever to actual Parisians. I don't know how much of this is just aesthetic tourism for us, but underneath all of that, there are some really good and charming performances. I know you particularly want to shout out our new queen, uh, Andrea Martel. Yeah. Who she's great. What's the actress's name? I, I don't know uh, in front of me. It's like Camille Cotin, I think. Yeah. And she apparently was in, like a long time ago, was in a Wes Anderson directed commercial for a Japanese phone with Brad Pitt. Or she was in some Wes Anderson. Speaking of things that were incepted from my brain. Yeah. Seriously. And, uh, but she's, she's like, she plays Andrea. She's one of the agents and she's, she's my fave. Yeah. She's great. She is a power lesbian who just wrecks shop and also parties hard and is, the star of the show basically yeah are you finding this before we wrap up i think we hit the idea of like the tourism of it Mm -hmm. traveling to france 
both of these shows and, and, and people, I know people are recommending the Bureau and other friends show like almost like a French homeland that I embarrassingly started watching and fell asleep during, but I will try again. There, there, we're not in any way suggesting that this is the totality the, of French the, television. The, yes. Yeah, right. But it is interesting and worth, worth noting since they are fueling our conversation today that they are both really chill, feel good kind of shows. Yeah. And I'm wondering where, where they're that also on a, with you on a right chill, now. feel good, easy to use service that just serves these things up to you sometimes. And if you see it enough times, you might be like, I mean, I, I have to admit the Lupin thing was also like, it just kept rising in the rankings. And usually mm -hmm. if, if it's not an animated snowman or 7,000 bad dates, you know, or something like that, like I will check out something that seems to be popping off on Netflix just because I'm fairly certain a lot of people are watching it. Um, the wisdom of crowds. Listen to you. Well, both of these shows, though, are crowd pleasers. I think both of these shows, I mean, I, I guess I could see you coming. Look, I don't know who a lot of the people who are the guest stars of, of Call My Agent are, but it does. I, I'm not even watching for those people. I'm watching for the agents. So it's really, it's been yeah, kind of so cool. It, it's a lovely workplace. But I'm sure in comedy. Paris, people are watching and they're like, I can't believe Juliette Binoche is going to be on. You know, like, I'm sure that's more the way it is. Well, that's also in my house. That's also in your house. Yeah. Um, we can wrap it up there. So we highly recommend those two shows. Andy and I will be back on Monday. We know it's a holiday, but we wanted to do WandaVision. And so we'll be back on Monday to discuss the newest Marvel TV show. Maybe, I, I don't think Captain America will be in it. So, you know. I can't believe you stepped on it. I, I heard it's like a David Lynch show. And I imagine that means that Either old Steve Rogers or Elephant Man Steve Rogers will be in this. That's right. Awesome. Uh, great to see you, man. I hope you have a good weekend. Have a great long holiday. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.